Jesus, we believe you, Jesus. Hallelujah. How many are glad they're in the house of the Lord today? It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful time. Every time, all the time that you get the opportunity to worship the Lord and give him praise is a good thing for you. Amen. I don't ever want to miss an opportunity. Praise God. Lord bless you today. Hallelujah. We're going to get started uh, this morning into another session of studies into the book of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. We're chasing down a word called wisdom. How many think they have wisdom? Some, uh, some things, maybe a little bit. <laughs> If you look at somebody and you can tell by their hair, they've been around a few times. Some of us, and I won't, I won't, <laughs> I don't think of anybody in particular, but some of us still don't learn. <laughs> We've repeated that class and that lesson many times over. And you know what? The hair is turning white and you still don't get it. <laughs> Praise God. But I do know this, as long as I stay as close as I can get to the Lord, that's what we're about today. Praise God. We're talking about wisdom's worth. A few scriptures, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 19 says this, For it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Amen to that. For after that is the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. All he needs is an instrument to get the word out and make the connection. Praise God. For the Jews require a sign, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, which is a stumbling block unto the Greeks' foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Hurrying on here, for you're seeing your calling, brother, and how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. You're seeing that working out right now in the world, aren't you? Base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. How many feel the presence of the Lord here today? But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto wisdom and righteousness, sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Praise God. Aren't you glad for the presence of the Lord? Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated this morning. Wisdom's worth. 
I'm glad God's got it all together. And if there is a word that we can share amongst ourselves is we are wise if we try to do the things that God wants in our lives. Where we mess it up is we end up trying to do the things that we want in our lives, and it becomes a train wreck. But I know God knows what's best for us. Amen? So wisdom is valuable, but how valuable is it to you that you do the things that God wants? I think somebody has said years ago that America is possessed by its possessions. And in the um, society that we live in, today's culture and stuff, there's nothing wrong with wanting things that um, are good for our lives. The problem is some of those things get in the way. How many know what I mean by getting in the way? They'll get in the way of your ministry. They'll get in the way of God speaking to you. They'll get in the way of keeping you from things, keeping you from, from uh, seeking and being called and following your calling that God wants to use you and to do things because, let's just face it, God saved you not to just so that we can sit back and cruise on into heaven. That's not how the church is put together. That's not his will in your life. His will is for us to seek out and to save that which is lost. His will in our lives is that we are seed casters. We don't have to be a big name evangelist. All we need to do is do what God's will is for that day. It's not just one time. It's not just once a month. It's not just once a year. You have to seek out the will of God in your life daily because we are who we are in our flesh, and it does get in the way. And the problem is we end up choosing what's the easy way out. What's the, the best thing for my flesh? And it, it's just the way that it is. It's just the way life is. And sometimes I need somebody that will help me get through the day of the life. Amen? A day in life uh, of problems that come in my way or our way. I need some help getting through with that. And it's, it's not shameful to say that, Raj, because you're 65 years old, you should have pretty much everything all together. Well, I'm sorry, but I don't. None of us do. I don't know of anybody that's just got everything put together. Even if your name is Bill Gates or Donald Trump, you still need God. You still need a touch from the Holy One. You still need righteousness living in your life. You still have to come to the... Here's what a wise person believes. He believes that there is a God. He believes that there's things in our moral lives that God's put together that we need to keep away from. That there's just basic good and evil. There's basic do this and don't do that. There's basic this is good and this is bad. Our problem is we think we're too smart. Hello, Elon Musk and all of the money that I have and all the stuff that I can do and the things that I can buy. But let something happen physically that or we're sorry there's nothing we can do oh now I start believing in God all right enough of that wisdom the definition states that it's the quality or the state of being wise all right big deal knowledge of what is true or right coupled with just judgment as to action discernment and insight Scholarly, scholarly, excuse me, knowledge 
or learning, wise sayings or teaching or precepts. Wisdom is the act of being wise. So just because you have knowledge and you don't put anything to action doesn't mean that you're a wise person. Because basically knowledge is a bunch of facts. Knowledge is all kinds of things. But if you do stuff with that knowledge throughout your years, you can turn that into wisdom. <coughs> Worth. Worth is good or important enough to justify having a value of. If I uh, know that wisdom is worth something, I'm going to value it. It's going to be equal value as sometimes we put it to money. Worth is also the excellence of character or quality, the usefulness of importance as to the world, to a person, or for a purpose. When God works things in our lives and God's uh, spirit has filled us up and we are called and we are his children and we've been in the church for years, we have to value the wisdom of what God's done in our lives so that it doesn't be just come to nothing. God doesn't do things in your life so nothing results from it. God does things in your life so that you can testify the goodness of God. As you can testify to your neighbors, you can tell them that God is good, God's on the throne, and here's what's going on. The best way that I know that I can find the wisdom and the word is in the word of God. And I can double this word of God if I pray and communicate with God and God speaks to me and God moves in me and God instills in me and, and uh, inspires me to do things. Why? I have to communicate with God and I find out that that's good and I find out that that gives me wisdom because we've been through it. We've been through it. 1 Kings 3 uh, verses 7 through uh, 10 say this. It talks about people that are wise. To start out in the in the Bible, um, people that mention the word wise immediately think of King Solomon, known as the wisest man ever. And here's one of the reasons why he became wise. And we should take what Solomon has written down and take what Solomon has done and learn from it. There's nothing wrong with looking at other people's experiences and learning from that. We can read books. We can read books about how people uh, did this thing and did that thing so that we don't have to go through that. We learn from them. Here's an example of how we should learn from Solomon. Uh, verse 7 in 1 Kings 3, And now, O Lord, my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I not... I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered, nor counted, or multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this, thy so great of people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. 
Here's the reason why God was so pleased with Solomon's prayer. First of all, it was a kingdom request. If you want to move somewhere and do something for God, it must be a kingdom request. You cannot pray a request about you and expect God to be pleased about it it's not as much as you're pleased about it. But, Lord, I want that truck. Lord, I need this red truck. I want this thing. And you see how the flesh overrides everything? You can't. You have to erase all of that stuff. If I want the wisdom from God, if I want a blessing from heaven, I've got to pray kingdom prayers. I've got to pray, God, help us in our church. I've got to pray, Lord, help us with revival. You understand? It's not about you. It's about them out there. It's not about you. It's about the church. It's about revival. It's about end times. It's about other people. It's about people that are lost. It's about loved ones and families that are lost. It's about what can I do to help move this down the road. A kingdom request. Not a selfish desire. So give me wisdom to judge your people correctly is what pleased God. Not only was God pleased about that, but he also said because you haven't asked for your enemy, you haven't asked to be a conqueror, you haven't asked to be victorious on the battlefield or anything that, you haven't asked for riches, he said, I'm going to give you that as a bonus because your heart's right. <clears throat> the Bible says there wasn't anybody like him ever because he was around in the golden age of Israel. So we read that Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 33, here's an easy scripture. A lot of us know this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. Raj, that's so hard to do because I want it now. <laughs> you just be patient and keep doing God's will. Don't you just want that better than the fast food stuff? I do. I'd much rather wait. I would much rather wait in the kitchen smelling the stuff cooking. Mom, how long before dinner? Well, it'll be another hour, so take an old cold tater and wait. That's what she would say. If you know what that means, take a raw potato and go sit in the corner and chew on that. It'll come. But, but it'll come. You know, another thing about wisdom is we need to be humble about what God has done for us. The Bible says that we should humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And all of you sitting here, somehow this storm has touched you. And we need to be humble enough to say, God, it didn't, it didn't destroy me. It didn't completely wipe out my stuff. Because stuff, stuff isn't important as God. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Oh, Rod, you're talking about those people in Naples that didn't really get scraped hard. Well, we had our issues. Everybody had our issues. But you know what? It's because of the hand of God. And we should humble ourselves under that and say, thank you, Lord Jesus. So it's a kingdom request. Solomon is credited with composing Proverbs, which we're going to look into. He's known to be the wisest and the wealthiest man who ever lived. 
ruled over Israel during his golden age and constructed the first temple in Jerusalem. So that's the key in Proverbs. Do what is pleasing to God and he will work it all out. Easy to say, isn't it? Hard to do, isn't it? How many's tested that to be sure that, yeah, I, I, I did it God's way. When we have other people that also want to put input into our lives, well, Rod, you should do this and you should do that, and I did it this way years ago. And you know what? There's good, better, and best. And good is okay, but I know that God wants what's best. And we want what's best on the other end, don't we? So here's the thing. It's not that I'm not taking your uh, your your uh, um, opp- opportunities or, or your, um, your suggestions about what to do. I want to do what God wants to do. And the only way I find that out is in this book. And if there's anything that, that Proverbs can do, and especially the things that we go through now, is we need to love this book even more today than we did yesterday. If, if it's one thing that we should do is start, if you haven't started and we do it like maybe once a week or once a month or whatever, every day I need to get into this word. There's so much stuff that's available to us, so many apps on our phones that there's apps that'll, that'll, uh, that the job that I have, I can put earbuds in and I can listen to whatever I want to listen to. I can put scriptures, I can put messages, I can put sermons, I can do all of that kind of stuff going. And it's a good thing to have. But sometimes our devices can get us in trouble as well. So that's the key in Proverbs. Find out what's pleasing to God and do it. Sometimes we think, okay, God, I'm doing this, so can you bless it? And when we look into the word, we find out that that's not what we should be doing. So we are all on a life's journey. Let me believe that. We're all journeying from from, uh, earth to heaven. We're journeying through our lives, through our years. It's a blessing to journey together with people that are your loved ones, your mates. It's a blessing. But you know what? You got to be closer to God than you are to them. You really do. The relationship has to be even more important. <coughs> if you have a GPS navigational system in your car or on your device or something, it'll start with something that's called your current location. And you'll have to plug that in. Or you can allow it to use the GPS system and pinpoint where you're at, and it'll tell you where you're at. If you don't know where you're at spiritually with God, you need to find that. If there's anything that's important these days with what goes on in this world, with what's happening, with what's our elections coming up, you need to find out where you're at in God. If you're not comfortable with where you're at in God, then you need to do a wise thing and get as close to God and find out where you're at and know that you're going in the right direction. Another thing about walking and journeying with God is it takes time. 
you can't just get from point A to point B in a matter of, of seconds. It takes time, and it's a lovely journey. That's what the Christian has to dwell with so great that other people that don't have God that goes through the same thing that we go through out into this world, they don't have what we have. We have the ability to bend our knees in prayer and say, Lord, I need your help right now. We have the ability to call on that mighty name. We don't need to just trust in horses and chariots and, and look at our bank account and say, yeah, I'm okay today. We trust in God, don't we? We bend our knees and say, Lord, we need some help here. And you know what? The mighty hand of God comes in. We can't explain it. It just happens. Why? Because we have that relationship with God and we know where we're at and where we're going. Yeah. Know where you're at in God. Then the GPS system asks for a destination. Well, where do you want to go? Everybody wants to go to heaven. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Some of the jokers out in the world, <clears throat> I live with a few of them, they think everything's just fun and games and co uh, comedy skit, but it's not. So now when the, com the comedian has uh, an issue with, with uh, an organ or, or uh, the, the dreaded C word that comes up in their life, all of a sudden things aren't funny anymore. Now you need to get a hold of God. Now you need to change your direction. That's what repentance is all about. And sometimes, even us, sometimes we get drawn away by our own lust. Sometimes we stumble and fall and we're going down the wrong street. That's what our repentance is about. Thank God you got a church to come in. Thank God there's preaching that goes across this pulpit. Thank God you can feel the presence of the Lord. Thank God we got music, ministry, and stuff, and songs that can still deal with your heart and bring you and chastise you. Let God work with you in repentance so you can start heading in the right direction. He can do that. Rod, Rod, you're going the wrong way, son. Move over this way. None of us are perfect. None of us go in a straight line. I need slap. I need that, that, that switch. Come on, get over there, get over there. We're all sheep, we are. And we listen to the shepherd's voice, don't we? But there are times when your ears are just so clogged up with other stuff that you don't hear his call. And and you you see, you see, the devil knows that when he gets you away from church and away from God's people and away from the presence of God, enough, you become numb to the fact that, oh well, life goes on, oh well. That's the thing about this pandemic mess that I that I despise. The devil knew, knows that if he gets people separated from the church, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to be with God's people. I'll just sit here in front of my monitor and have church on. That's not right. We need to come together. I need to shake your hand. I need to hear your voice. I need a hug from a brother. I need some people. I need people to pray with me at an altar. I need some things that, that you can't get at home. Why do you think you're still going in the right direction when you're all by yourself? That's when the enemy knocks you off. 
Look at the animals. Look at the look at the wolves. Look at how they, they travel. And they go for the weakest one, the one on the outskirts, and then they knock you off. And then what road are you on? Then he's got you. Let's say wisdom. That's the key. I want to please God, and he'll work it all out. So we're on a journey, amen? Micah 6, 8, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. We used to sing a song up back at school. He has showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee? But to do justly, love mercy. Repeated that. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with thy God. We got to trust him, don't we? How many know it's hard to do? And the devil, the devil just wants to shake our faith every day. And it, but, but here's another thing is God knows where you're at. God knows where you're going and God knows where you're at. That's why we walk humbly with thy God. It's not big me. It's not, it's not, I don't need any help. I got, I got my bank account. I got my job. You know, all that stuff's happening. And, and this is going good and that's going good. And, you know, I, I don't really need any help. Yes, you do need help. Yes, you do need help. You still need the blessings of God. You still need the rains from heaven to come down into your life. Why? Because there's a devil out there. There's evil out there. And you're still journeying here in this world. You still got stuff to deal with. Walk humbly with God. We trust him and embrace his wisdom with all of our heart, and we walk humbly with him. I'm just getting started here today. We need to walk humbly with God, amen? I need to seek his wisdom. I need to do what he wants done in my life and not what I want done in my life. That's easier said than done. The Hebrew word for proverb is marshal, M-A-R-S-H-A-L. It means a comparison or it shows what's good and what's bad. So one person put it like this. A proverb is a small sentence about a long experience. That's why this book is so rich. Here's another reason. There are 31 proverbs, 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. One for each day of the month. Just thought I'd throw that out there for you. Huh. Sometimes our options are not good or bad. Maybe they're just best. And that's why it's important to follow after God's will in our lives, for he knows what's best. But here's the reason we have to put him first. And that comes with trust, and that comes with faith. I don't know how you're going to do it, Lord, but I'm going to put you first. I don't know how it's going to work out. I'm not supposed to know how it's working out. I just trust that you're going to do it. Why? Because it's for your kingdom. If things don't work out for the best or for the good, then it doesn't really have to happen and have to be in the kingdom. It's still your kingdom, God, and I'm still your child. If you have that uh, picture up there... (coughs) (coughs) Joe, that first one, I don't know if you can see that. That's a pretty good picture. This is the Longleat Maze in Warminster, Wiltshire, England. It's constructed for more than 16,000 English ewes. It's a bush. 
The maze is at Longleat is the longest hedge maze in the world. It stretches for close to 1.7 miles. It's part of 8,000 acres that have belonged to the various Marquis of Bath since the 16th century, 900 of which are beautified by a framed landscaper design called Lancelot Capability Browned, so nicknamed for his tendency to describe landscapes as having great capacities and capabilities. If you see this, it takes a good person that knows their way at least a minimum of 90 minutes to get through it from start to finish. You see these little bridges that are put around. Those are helps. You get to the bridge, you can get up to the bridge, and you can see maybe where you're at. It's kind of a cheat thing, isn't it? But it's helpful, isn't it? And that's the thing about the... In, in the maze of, of, of life because life is kind of like this and Proverbs and the Word of God is kind of like a bridge. It can help you look out and see, okay, I need to go this direction or I need to go that direction. <clears throat> there are lookouts placed to find your way if you need that and God's put his word there for us to find the correct path to help us get through life. So this is what I said before. Proverbs is like that. And God's word is about the maze of life. <clears throat> there are three methods of wisdom that we can obtain in life. The first method of obtaining wisdom is by trial and error. How many have done that? We know it's called from the school of hard knocks. Time can be wasted by this. By the time you get wise, you have to live with all the mistakes that you've made along the way. So that's why it's a school of hard knocks. And let me tell you this. If you're a newcomer here, if you've just started in with God, the best thing you can do is hook up with some senior saint, somebody that has gone through a lot of it, somebody that you can be a mentor with, and somebody that will mentor you and help you go through life. That's wisdom. And the best place to pick somebody like that is not outside somewhere. It's up here by the altar or in the, the prayer room. Those are the ones that you want. Those are the ones that are active. Because you can say you have all the wisdom in the world, but if you don't act upon it, it doesn't do anybody any good but your, your mouth and your mind. Because you're not really helping anybody. God's put people in here and people in your lives and our lives so that he can help us with this journey. Because why? We're walking humbly with God and it takes somebody to help us get through this maze. The second method of wisdom that we can get through is counsel from other people. This is a proven experience that can help provide wisdom. You have to listen to them. You have to take their advice. And it takes humility to, to humble yourself down and to learn and to have a teachable spirit when we learn from other people. Because sometimes, and I don't know why, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just getting old. Maybe I am old. Maybe I don't understand all this stuff. But sometimes these new generations, they just don't want to listen. They just don't want to take your advice. All right, confession time. I felt that way when I was a teenager in junior high school. My parents, all right, they don't know nothing. 
Are you kidding me? Do you know how many times in the past when my parents were still alive that I called them up and talked to them and say, how did you do it? What's the secret? And you know what they told me all the time? So why we took you to church, Rods? I got it, Mom. I get it. And I, I don't mean to boast, but I feel sometimes I'm the richest man in the world. Do you know why? I look over here at the offering time, and I see all seven of those grandkids lined up, ready to give to the offering. <laughs> That's worth something, isn't it? That's worth something. So, <clears throat> if we want to counsel from others, find a prayer warrior at the altar. Somebody that's excited about church. Somebody that's looking for revival. And they'll help you with whatever we go through. The third method of finding wisdom is the highest and the best method to gain wisdom is from the Word of God. Why? Because God created you so He already knows what his will is for your life his will is found in his word and it's important that you rely on uh, the big things not the little things God doesn't really care what color your car is we had some people when we were at, in Naples at the church there <laughs> they just, they're just crazy about it they, they, they think about it too hard it's uh, they they would call the pastor up and want to know what cereal you know I'm in the cereal aisle what cereal should I pick really that's not wisdom it's important to find God's will and God's word and to know God's ways amen it's his church we're his people and it's best to find out wills and ways and proverb gives us that obtaining wisdom is far better than gaining knowledge and riches knowledge as I said before is just an accumulation of facts but wisdom is the ability to see things the way God sees them wisdom is the ability to see the things the way God sees them this is the only way you're going to find it and in prayer Knowledge is understanding things using your mind, but wisdom is receiving things with your heart. That's why the Jewish people felt the heart was the seat of all your emotions. Everything was wrapped around. You see where I'm going here? So when you love God so much that all your emotions and your heart is captivated with him, it doesn't matter what comes your way because that cannot be separated. And then it only takes 12 inches from the heart to the mind that you do the things that God wants. <clears throat> so we improve our daily communication with God through his prayer and through the word. In Proverbs, there is a statement that talks about the fear of God. But this is not to be afraid, but it's to be reverently submitting your will to his. 
You understand? When I fear the Lord, I'm not afraid of him in such a way that it just causes me fear. I reverently surrender my will to his. Oh, my, I think that's the key. When you watch your football game today, or you may have seen some yesterday, or you may have seen some in the past, you see when it comes out at the start, there's a flip of the coin, isn't there? And then whoever wins the coin toss has an option. Do you want the ball or do you want to kick off? And what they usually say is, we're going to defer to the second half kickoff. That means they are surrendering their options and their right and giving it to the opposing team so that they have the second half. That's called defer. And that's what God means when we fear him is it's a word called deference which is I respectfully submit and yield to your judgment and your opinion and your will. That's what's in Proverbs. That's what's wrapped around with wisdom. I respectfully submit my will and I defer to you. Well, how do I know what to do? Communication. When you wrap it around with your heart, it's easy to do. It's hard for the flesh. It's not about me dreading God. It's about me surrendering to his will because he knows what's best for me. How many know that? How many are sold upon that? Nobody needs to talk you into that. I know that God knows what's best for me. The problem is I don't like going through all of this stuff to get to that result. But he goes with me on my journey. He'll go with me through the doctor's room. He'll go with me through the operating room. He'll go with me wherever I'm going. And I may not be places that my flesh like, but you know what? I deferred my will to yours, and you're in control. That's another word that we don't like. The world, though, disregards God. They think that they have it all worked out. As long as I have money and as long as everything's just fine, I'll just keep printing cash and everything will be fine. You just keep voting for me and we'll just keep doing all this stuff. Because I know what's best. And God has nothing to do with it. Watch out. Because it's coming. Proverbs 9 and 10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. The more that I know him, the better I understand his ways. That alone is enough to say I need to pray more. That alone enough is to say I need to attend church more. That alone enough is to say all of that. Here's one of my favorite Proverbs. Proverbs 3, 1 through 10. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. First section of Proverbs is about letters from a father to a son. For length of days and long of life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee, but 
bind them about thy neck. Write them about upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Here we go. Trust in the Lord. You probably have this on your refrigerator. You might have this embroidered on a sign or a, a plaque or somewhere in your home or somewhere close. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Isn't this wisdom? Why? Because Solomon went through it. Why? Because David's telling Solomon about this. I went through this, son. So here, you should do this so you don't have to go through what I've gone through. But I need to trust in the Lord with all of my heart. Ooh. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. Every chance I get, I'm going to acknowledge God. It's you, Lord, that have made it and not we ourselves. I see how you created this world. Why? Because I understand it because I see the things that are made. You put it all together for us. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Here again, it's not for what you get out of God. It's because your heart's wrapped up around him, and it's the love of God that you have that keeps him close. I don't worship you for things you can give me. I worship you because you are who you are. I worship you because you healed my body. I worship you because your hand is upon my life. That's why I worship you. That's why you're my God. It's my heart that's wrapped around it. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel, morrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Oh, I want that new wine. I want my barns to be blown. But you know what? You're missing the point. If that's the motive that you have, the motive is he's got my heart. The motive is it doesn't matter what's going on. I've got to get to God. It doesn't matter what time it is. I've got to pray. It doesn't matter when the church starts. I've got to get there. Why? There's a word for me today. It's more important to trust in the Lord that he will work things out in our lives and not the way that we want it to, for he knows what's best. I think I've said that two or three times. Sometimes I just got to step back from the situation and I let God step in. There's nothing wrong. We try to do the most that we can do. I'm that way. If I tried this, if I tried that, if I tried this, if I'd done this tool, if I tried to fix it this way, then okay, I give up. (laughs) But I got to step back. When it comes to spiritual things, things I have no control over, I got to step back. Okay, God. Okay, God, you're in control. I think that's a good word today. Maybe this year, maybe this next year, because they want to control the church. And that's not, this church is not controlled out of Washington, D.C. 
I'm sorry, but revival doesn't come, and they don't have control over it. That's why they hate the church so much. That's why they don't want anything to do with, with, with church assembling and all that kind of stuff. Why they can't control it. God can control it. And we mess it up because we try to control it. So you let your control off today. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to do is to lose control at an altar of prayer and sacrifice. Paul said it like this, and I'm finished. Stand with me. He said it like this. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. I think that's good wisdom. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. We worship you in this place, almighty God. You're worthy of all Thank glory, you, worthy of all honor. We lift you up, Lord. Oh, because of who you are, I give you glory. And say because of who you are. Because of who you are, I give you praise. Oh, yes, say because of who
God's touched your heart today. There's more. We're just getting started. We're just getting started. Lord bless you. And keep falling in love with Jesus every day. Every day. Lord bless you. We're going into prayer and then service again, worshiping and allowing. 